Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. What gets a lot of us in trouble is believing that falling in love with someone is the same thing as thinking that they will be a good lifetime match for us. And you, know, you see this in the soulmate myth, that if I could just find that one perfect person, all of my problems will be solved. But every relationship is a balance between what you get from it and what is missing. Because no relationship is going to fulfill every one of your emotional needs. And expecting your marriage to give you all of that is not just unrealistic. It's actually setting you and your partner up for failure. So it's important to ask, how do you know if you have found the right person to marry? So to help me answer that question, I'm joined by Marnie Foyerman. She is a marriage and family therapist, and more importantly, she is the marriage expert at about.com. So Marnie, thanks so much for coming back on the show and dealing with this, what could be an interesting topic for a show where people are already married. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me again, Leslie. I appreciate it. We talk about this, and, and I always tell people, and I actually, when I wrote my book, Blueprint for a Lasting Marriage, the very first chapter that I ever wrote for the book was actually how to find the right partner. And I thought, i got to take that chapter out of the book because you know, it was already, the, the book ended up being aimed at people who were already married. I'm thinking, yeah, let's not start there. But I do think it's an important topic because who we choose as a partner can make all the difference. And you wrote a couple of articles recently about this topic. And so what do you think are some of the most important things a person should be thinking about when looking for a partner? Um, well, there there are lots of things somebody should look for. And I think that... Um, People with our experience and some of the things that you've written at yourself, I think we probably are really good people to help instruct those that are dating and they're looking, you know, they're looking for a commitment or to get married. Um, because I think we've we've kind of seen it all. We've seen all the issues and the problems that people end up having, and so I think we can offer a lot of that hindsight information um, that we can offer people who are in this this type of situation where they're looking for somebody and um, you know obviously there's there's certain must-haves that you would need to know yourself there's certain things that you know are completely important um, but I would of course avoid superficial um, types of things like, you know, right. height and hair color and things that don't really matter. Um, you, you Well, it's funny you should mention that because one of my sisters years ago decided that her, her perfect man would be somebody who wears a three-piece suit. Now, she's been married. Now, she's been married longer than I have, and I'm coming up on year 30. So she's probably been married 32, 33 years. And not only does her partner not own a three-piece suit, I don't think he's ever been in a suit in his entire life. I don't <laughs> Yeah. So right. obviously Things like that prove it. That was, not a thing, that was not a thing that really she needed, even though it, when she was, I don't know, 
20, 21 years old or whatever, she thought that was like the be-all and end-all that he'd be wearing a three-piece suit. The things that we focused on probably when we were in high school and even college, um, before we knew better, probably were kind of superficial things. But I think if if it comes down to it and you're looking for a lifelong partner and you want to have kids with somebody, you probably have to think beyond some of those superficial things. And um, I think everybody would kind of say, you know, I want somebody I can trust and um, someone that's honest and hardworking. And, you know, we all can kind of say those things, of course. But um, we, we have to go past that even, which is... Um, we want to look at someone's personal, you know, personality traits and stability, um, religious and cultural background, things that are just going to make your relationship much smoother from the get-go. Um, and then, of course, which we can probably spend a lot of time on, is um, how two people are, they feel that their bond, connection, and communication is. And that's probably right, the heart of it. I want to go back to something that you said because it because I know out there there's this idea that opposites attract. And you as but you're saying that we need to have things in common. So where does this idea, you know, that opposites attract come in and kind of what problems does it cause? Well, I think I think the opposites attract piece is because it's I think it adds some allure and excitement when we're with somebody who's Mm -hmm. opposite. I think that kind of can quickly wear off, though. And so once you're in your regular day-to-day life, those kinds of things can really drive you crazy or cause significant problems. Like if if you're with somebody who, let's say, is a different religion, I'm not saying it's the end of the world, but at first it might seem really cool and fascinating and you're learning about their religion and they're learning about yours, but then what happens when you get married and the in-laws get involved and they cause problems or conflict with it and then you have a child and how you raise your child. It's just like it's a domino effect. So at first it can seem okay and then uh, you're kind of opening a can of worms for later. Well, and I think you're making a really good point because I, you know, I, I tell people that while it's not impossible, you generally don't see successful matches of any kind of extreme, whether it's socioeconomic, somebody comes from a really high-end background to somebody who comes, you know, basically pulling their th- themselves up by their bootstraps, or um, eight, you huge differences in ages or huge differences in education. It's not that you can't get past those things, but they do tend, I think, to make for more challenges than somebody who comes from a more similar background than you do. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I would look at it like you're going to have less challenges right off the bat, uh, which I think just makes things a lot easier. But like you said, some of these things aren't insurmountable, but um, but I think if you if you're kind of going, I want certain qualities in somebody. I would definitely make sure I had that in mind that you you really come from some type of a similar background. The person's similar to you, as opposed to dissimilar, and not get kind of caught up in the excitement of it. Um, I just don't think you're someone will be making the best choice as far as that goes. Well, that's really interesting that you talk about getting caught up in the 
you know, in the excitement of it. And so isn't that one of the things that really kind of gets in the way of doing a, you know, um, more objective evaluation of is this person a good match for me? <laughs> yes. I'm probably going to use a very extreme analogy, but I think if you if you think about like the times where you were, let's say, drunk and you needed like your best friend there to kind of say, okay, I'm taking the keys. You can't drive right now. Um, don't do this. Don't do that. It's like we kind of need that when we're in love because we're, you know, all, all of the yeah, chemicals like, that I've, are I've going like on. Being, it's like being, I've heard it being like high on heroin, you know, kind of like, okay, <laughs> yes. we're just, or, or cocaine. We're just completely, when we're, when we're flooded with all those wonderful, neurochemicals that make us feel so fantastic it's all, it's like we're high <laughs> like you yeah, said yeah don't drive great, but <laughs> right we're probably not as reasonable and rational as we normally would be and um, so sometimes it, it is good to have friends and family um, be telling us like hey this is a good guy I like him or this is a really nice woman or or they might they might see things that uh, we we just don't see or we're not tuned into because we're on the love drugs. So right. I think that is important as well. And yes, it can unfortunately trip you up. But you, it's isn't it like um, I don't know. I guess I guess it's a double edged sword. You you have to have it. I mean, you need it. Without the love, forget it. And it's, you're never going to have that relationship. But with the love you're going to be maybe not so much in your right mind in the beginning. So. <laughs> well, and I, and I do have to kind of throw a caveat into this because I know that people listening to this will say, oh, that means we have to wait a certain amount of time to know. And what about falling in love at first sight? And I, I, mm-hmm. when I, I have to be honest that I actually – had been with my husband, had he proposed to me the day after we got together, I would have said yes. He waited an entire three months to ask me. (laughs) And we actually didn't get married for a full year. So we had a, but what we were doing in that time frame, back in the days before computers, we were actually writing each other letters and spending, and and I can't even tell you how much money AT&T got from us from our long distance phone bills, back when you had to pay for long distance phone calls. Right, right. Was we spent a lot of time getting to know each other and I think that so I, I, I don't want people to misunderstand that you can't know quickly but it really is mm-hmm. a question of do I know this person what do I know about this person and it's got to go below beneath the surface level of you know how we all because you know, we're all whenever in, in a new relationship we always are on our best behavior Yes, I I think you can enjoy that. It's not, I don't think you have to wait so long, but I think you do have to wait a reasonable amount of time um, so that you've gone through a few ups and downs. Maybe you've had a couple arguments. You, You just, you get to know more of the, the quirks and and things um, about the person, it's okay to wait. We're not like um, completely right. yeah, I'm not deflating the balloon. They should do it my way. I'm not saying they should right. necessarily do it my way, but I don't want people to go, oh my gosh, right. I have to wait three years. You know, it's, it's well, any of those you're, rules. You're saying is you, like the actual time that you, you physically got married, like you walked down the aisle, wasn't 
three months. Like, but you let in in retrospect, you look back and you go, gosh, maybe it kind of seemed like love at first sight because you had those feelings and then, um, but they, they stood the test of time. So it's not that there's an exact, you know, right answer to that, but I think the more time you give it, the more likely your odds are that you are making the best choice and you're, you're only going to feel better about um, committing to marriage with that person if you've spent a longer time. So, well, and, um, I d- you know. and I do have to acknowledge that I actually had done what you recommended, is actually thinking about the qualities of a person that I wanted. You know, I wanted somebody who was honest, who had a certain level of ambition, who had a sense of humor and could handle my weird and wacky, my own weird, wacky sense of humor. And so I actually had done that. And I, you know, I had dated before. So I actually had in my head this idea. So it was almost like I tell people, um, one of the things that you should do is write out a job description mm-hmm. for That's your right. ideal yeah. partner. You know, and, and what are the qualities, you know, that you that you want and then you Every, it, it, that everybody's on a job interview with you. you know? It's like, how well do you match the qualifications that I'm looking for? And I think that's one thing that people, but they go, oh, that's not, so, that's not romantic. And it's like, <laughs> do you want to you be know, romantic or do you want to be married forever? <laughs> well, and, so. and, and it really isn't an either or. You can do right. both because obviously you want to be physically attracted to somebody, I know yeah. that um, yeah. you know, I, I hear people say, you know, well, all my friends or my family, you know, think that this person's a good match, and and I love that, and they look good on paper. <laughs> like if you if you put all the qualifications down on paper, they look good, but there's just something missing, and I think it's important for people to pay attention to that too. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying completely, and um, and I think that you're right because if if there's not some degree of physical attraction, then it will it just won't happen. And and I agree with that. I think what we're saying is also that you can have the physical attraction and the chemistry. Um, we're not taking that away from you, but what we're saying is. Let's just make a really good choice and make sure it's not only chemistry, Mm -hmm. um, that the person really does have all these other good qualities that make for a good spouse. And we don't want it, you know, you can't overlook that piece either. It really, you really need both. Right. It's not an either or, it's both and, and then it's holding out to get that. And so this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having a wonderful conversation with Marnie Foreman, who is a marriage and family therapist, and more importantly, she is the marriage expert at about.com, and we're talking about the components of what goes into choosing a good partner, and better yet than how to work with the partner that you have. And, you know, if you're struggling with this, if you wonder whether I've picked the right partner, Person. Maybe I don't feel those butterflies like I did in the beginning. Then give me a call and take advantage of my free no-obligation consultation to find out how you can have a fantastic marriage. You can call me at area code 919-924-0463 or you can 
send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com, F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S-N-C.com. And I also suggest that you go to theabout.com, look up marriage, and read all of Marnie's articles because they're fantastic. So let's get back to the conversation. And kind of what I was talking about, that what, what about people who are already married and maybe, you know, the bloom's a little off the rose and maybe things aren't quite going the same and they wonder if they've made a mistake. What kinds of things should they be thinking about, looking for? What's your suggestion? Well, I, I'm going to backtrack for one second because it'll lead to what you're talking about. Uh, when we talk about the qualities you're looking for in somebody, I, you know, to begin with, um, this is one of the reasons why I think it's important to know that somebody is there for you emotionally um, and that you can communicate with them, and, but also that they have an attitude that if, if there's ever a problem or an issue and we can't tackle it, um, we would go get help or we would do whatever is necessary. Um, and the reason is that because sometimes we come to the point that you're talking about now where someone does start to wonder, is, you know, is there a problem and you know, maybe, maybe I didn't marry the right person or whatever the case is. And um, you'll want to then, of course, open up the lines of communication and um, try to talk about it and figure out you know, what is the problem? Is it solvable? Um, is it something that you two can at least talk and reach a compromise on? Um, do you need professional help? So I would say the, the biggest thing is to not keep it to yourself, and I know we, we even talked about some of this in the other, <laughs> yeah. um, the other podcast that we did, which is don't keep it a secret, don't carry it around and let it just grow in your head or talk to friends. This is something that you really have to directly address um, very tactfully you know, with your partner, and I, and I think we owe that to our partners if we've chosen to commit to them and get married. We really owe them that. That's part of what your what your vows were that you, you know, will honor the ah, person yes, and those, cherish. And it just goes yes, back to that. Pesky, those pesky little vows that we take that we're not really quite <laughs> clear what we're promising. You know, that sounds really good until you know. Wait, what do you mean that I have to actually talk to my partner? Um, right. You know, and I know that that's and that's an important thing that I think that. When we say this out loud, people go, oh, yeah, that's true. But we seriously underestimate it because once we start looking critically at our partner, we're going to find all kinds of things that drive us crazy about them. The question that I always have for people is, are you looking at the positive things that they're contributing? Like you said, are they emotionally supportive of you? Um, are they willing to talk with you? And part of the problem is, I think, the presentation of how somebody wants to come to the table and talk about maybe what's missing. But I think the other thing is that people don't like to do because we have a built-in scapegoat when we're married is what am I contributing to this challenge that we're having? Am I being the partner that I could be? As you know, as opposed to well, if my partner, because I get, the, I'm sure you get this all the time. If my partner would just stop doing this, we'd all be fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, 
okay, <laughs> what exactly is it that they're doing, and is it something new, or have, you know, that's always what I ask my, my clients. I said, well, is this some new behavior that this person is doing, or have they always been this way? Well, they've always <laughs> been this way. It's like, well, then why are you surprised they're still doing it? Right. Right, exactly. Um, and and can you look at yourself and maybe be more accepting of it because you knew from the very get-go what it was? If it's something new or different or there's been a change, um, you know, it's it's definitely worth exploring and say, and, and again, just opening up the lines of communication and talking to your spouse about how the behavior or whatever it is they're doing is impacting you, and um, and I think you know those are the times to really tap into our ability to be you know sensitive and and try not to put it, put a blaming stance on it. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of open it up as you know there's there's something that's that's bothering me. I was wondering if we could talk about it, and I would say just approach it gently, and you may be really surprised how well the conversation goes when you were kind of making it in your head uh, bigger or oh, yeah. thinking it wasn't going to go well. You never know until you try that. Well, and part of that is, is if I think it's not going to go well, then how I present myself can influence that. You know, so so it really mm-hmm. is. It's, um, it's just a story you're telling yourself. Can we give our partners... The benefit, because if it's a behavior, then I always suggest, well, can you request a different behavior and not, you know, not just make a complaint about the behavior that's going on, but actually ask for something different? Because I think that if it's phrased that way, our partners are going to be much more open to that, you know, because it's not a you're bad kind of right. thing. It's, oh, can we try, can we just do, can we just try something different? <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. I think there are lots of good, good ways to, um, you know, approach some of these problems. Um, I think we have to, we, one, one thing that I think is important too, which I'm sure you agree with, is kind of knowing your style of of maybe attachment or how you choose to communicate. Um, if you're the one who's always nagging or you're the one who's always shutting down or, you know, kind of taking a look at that because a lot of these things are just, are you're often just getting in a self-reinforcing cycle with your partner. Um, mm-hmm. But just one, it, one of you can change or do something different. And, of course, you have control of yourself. So I think if you can try a different strategy, <laughs> yeah, a lot of times, <laughs> right, you, again, it will affect, you might get a better outcome or a different outcome than you're thinking is going to happen. Well, and that's the important thing that I think getting some external um, input would be good, and I'm not necessarily talking about from your friends or your family because that's usually who we go to, and we are selective about what we tell them, these people, and we're also going to them because we want somebody to back us up and go, yeah, you're right, that was terrible. Mm-hmm. And part of it can be, you know, like as you and I do, and you just said, well, what's your part in this pattern? What's the script you've got in your head? And, and they kind of go, mm-hmm. well, what are you talking yeah. about? Right. You know, as a, you know, and it isn't about 
um, being crazy. (laughs) No, it's about understanding that we all grew up doing things in a certain way. And now we've got this person who grew up doing things in their way. And we're trying to figure out how we can make this work. And of course, we're focused on what they're doing because that's so obvious to us. But sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, ooh, I'm doing this thing. And it will frequently take an external set of eyes with no judgment attached and actually no skin in the game because, <laughs> you know, if, if you're asking me as, as my partner, if you're asking me to, to do something different, you've got an emotionally vested interest, whereas this outside person really doesn't. They're just making an observation going, hey, this is, happens to be what I see and would you be interested in learning to do it differently? Right. And um, yes, we're, we're doing that all the time. So um, I think for those people that are listening and right now they're having some of those thoughts like, oh, there's so many problems or issues right now. And, you know, I'm doubting that I made the right choice and who I married. And um, I, if there's something within them or some behavior or something that they're doing that uh, would probably be an issue no matter who they're with. Uh, they may as well stay with their spouse and have some of these conversations and um, maybe make some changes themselves. Um, because look, you know, as oh, much no, as we want to think we're perfect, we're not perfect either. So, well, um, and that's what people to need to. That's what people need to understand is that they will take themselves with them wherever it is yes. they go. So mm-hmm. if I'm if this is a pattern that comes up over and over again in my relationships, it's probably a good chance that I've got something to do with it. And by changing partners, I'm not really necessarily going to change that pattern. It's just going to repeat with the new person. Right. Right, exactly. And um I think it it also brings you closer, um, and I think it does create more of a loving bond when you're talking to your partner and you're trying to work some of these problems out. Um, I think that's sort of the the tougher stuff in marriage that people just sometimes they don't really want to deal with, and I understand it because, you know, who who does? But often <laughs> it will bring you closer. It's, it's going to make things better for you. It's not going to necessarily make things worse. Right, and if, and if you don't know how to do it, which many of us don't because – as much as I would like to, and I'm, I'm considering opening up a school for marriage, um, <laughs> there really isn't any place mm-hmm. to learn this. I mean, you know, we, we don't talk about it. I've said multiple times that, you know, we will go to friends, family members, if mm-hmm. we're struggling with an issue with our kids. You know, how to get my child to sleep through the night. How do I get them to stop hitting their sibling? You know, all these things around our kids, but we don't have that kind of dialogue around our marriages because I, I you know, while while I do think that there is some 
you know, personalization of if I can't if I can't potty train my kid, then there's, I'm a bad parent. Um, but I think most people will go, yeah, no, that's something we all run across. But somehow, <laughs> if I can't have an effective conversation with my partner, you know, we, we don't talk about that with our friends. Like, okay, how do you discuss money with your spouse, or how do you discuss the fact that you really don't want to spend ten days in a vacation home with their family? <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's, um, I think it's too bad, you know, the mentality that, um, or you're even just, just thinking, if I'm having a problem, um, I could just, I could just get divorced, or maybe I didn't marry the right person, or, and you know, I, I think, and we, and we, I know we both have. Um, have studied and read um, Dr. Bill Doherty's work, and he kind of puts it this way, which I love, which is that you said the example of your of potty training your kid. You would never say, oh, maybe I should just get rid of this kid and get a new kid who can pee properly in the potty. <laughs> Why are we doing that with our spouses? Why are we so quickly thinking, maybe there's someone else. Maybe I can replace them. Maybe I should just get divorced and not be with anybody. Or Why are those thoughts so quickly coming through our heads? I think we're obligated, just as we were, you know, when we had kids, we're obligated and we stick it out and we don't just throw them away. We should not be doing that with our marriages either. Um, and, and also, it's okay to get good help and ask for the right help, and it doesn't necessarily mean you know the people that are biased. Sometimes they're very, they are going to be very helpful and supportive, but mm-hmm. if they're not, it's it's okay to get professional help, just like you would search online or ask your pediatrician about your child. Sometimes we need to do that about our relationship, and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's okay. We are not born with these skills, and sometimes we've learned things, um, I would say learned in a wrong way how to do it, because right, our parents made mistakes, and sometimes they passed those mistakes on to us. We didn't really learn properly how to express ourselves. Whatever it is, it, you know, it is, but it's correctable, and sometimes you need to be taught the skills for how to do that. Right. And so I want you to tell people where they can find your stuff and learn some of the skills that you teach. Um, well, my a lot of my articles are on um, www.marriage.about.com. Uh, and there's also a place to subscribe if you want to get the articles weekly uh, delivered right to your email. And, Which I get them um, every week. I thank do. Thank you. Great. <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff on there. And uh, I hope it's helping a lot of people when they have some of these questions and you know I definitely get you know good feedback of people feeling like it's it's been helpful and I know you can't always trust all the sources out there um, and I think there's there's several really good sites that have some of this good information about communication and marriage and relationships and um, and luckily we can be at home and in our private time taking advantage of it 
Right, and I think that that's a really important thing because we can get caught in our own heads um, in thinking that because it hasn't worked or isn't working right now, it will never work and that the best thing to do is get out or I never really loved this person in the first place. There might be somebody better out there for me. And, you know, I challenge you guys to take a fresh look at your partner and see if you're overlooking some of their true qualities because, you know, you might surprise yourself and you might just fall in love with them all over again. So keep listening and keep learning and keep reading. And until next week, stay loving. 